There we go. I th yeah, there we go. This morning, I want us to look at something <clears throat> that I think is very apropos. I know I've been facing a lot of questions about this in, in, in the, my job that I, I do, and that is the goodness of God. I want us to understand what Scripture has to say about it, and if there's one thing that I want to leave you with, it's this. I'm going to mention it now, and then we'll mention it again later. But life becomes good when we understand that God is good. Life becomes good when we understand that God is good. And I know it's a basic statement, but it's surprising how many people, and I'm talking about Christians, would even question God's goodness. See, I agree, or I think we would all agree, that God is good. But there are times we may not, we wrestle with it, we may not verbalize it, but inside, in the mind and in the heart, sometimes we, we can question it. How many times have I heard people say, God is out to get me? You ever hear that? I hear that often. God is out to get me. He wants my life miserable for some reason. I've heard people say that. I've heard people say, what more does God want from me? Complaining. Or, if God loves me, why is he allowing this to happen? Stuff like this. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about that woman who said that my life's not going that great. I'm sick and God's not doing anything about it, so I forgive him anyway. A woman who needs to forgive God. And on and on and on it goes. <clears throat> There's many things that I hear from people constantly wondering, why? Why is this happening? Why do I have to go through this? Why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? And all of these thoughts and questions, really, bottom line, at the very base, is a question of God's goodness. He's not being good. See, the problem with us too often is that we have an inconsistent view of God. When things are going great, we praise God. God is good. Look at God's goodness in my life. But when things go in a different direction, in a way that we don't like, now we begin to question why. And when we begin to question why, and when we wonder, you know, this shouldn't be happening, why doesn't God do something? We're questioning His goodness, even though we may not say it verbally. So I want us to look at what Scripture has to say about God being good. And in the English Bible, the word goodness, especially in the Old Testament, comes from a Hebrew word, tov, T-O-V, tov. And what this word means is it refers to that quality in God that causes Him to bless people, deliver them, and store up future gifts for them. I'll repeat that. It's the quality in God that causes Him to bless people, deliver them, and store up future gifts for them. I think Psalm 84, 11, one of my favorite verses, uh, says it well. He said, uh, the psalmist says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Notice, no good thing does he withhold. So the actions God takes and the gifts he gives us are all good things because he is good. And sometimes that's hard for us to grasp because too often we think we know what's good for us. And when it doesn't go our way, there's a problem. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he defined God's goodness this way. He said, the goodness of God is that perfection of God which prompts him to deal bounteously and in a kindly way with all his creatures. And then he quotes Romans eleven twenty two: Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God, says Paul. He also quotes Psalm 145, 9. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Then he makes this statement. Watch the terms good and goodness as you read your scriptures, and you will find they generally cover the conception of God's bounty. When you see those words in scripture, he argues that they typically point to God's bounty, God's generosity, if you will. That's how he sees God's goodness. A.W. Tozer, he defines God's goodness this way. He said, the goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill toward man. He is tender-hearted and a quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. But it's this last line I want you to hear. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes total pleasure in the happiness of his people. Remember that last section. He takes total pleasure in the happiness of its people. So when you look at these definitions, what you find is that God's goodness involves God's bounty, which is immeasurable, and He takes total pleasure in our happiness. 
So you can think of it this way. In his immeasurable bounty, God bestows good things on us to make us happy because he delights in our happiness. That's God's goodness. And it's a profound statement. So I want us to look at scripture and see how God reveals this goodness of himself. We're going to look at different passages. We're going to start off in Exodus 33. So if you're turning your Bibles to Exodus 33... Moses is on the mountain, and God has given him the Ten Commandments the second time, right? The first time, remember, he came down from the mountain, and he threw down the, 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 uh, the, the tablets because they were committing idolatry. Now he's back up on the mountain. And at this point in Moses' career, he's already heard the voice of God in the burning bush. He has seen the miracles in Egypt that set them free. He witnessed and was part of the parting of the sea. He saw how God provided water and manna there in the wilderness. So Moses had witnessed an abundant amount of evidence of God's power. But at this point here in Exodus 33, Moses wanted something more. So in Exodus 33, 18, he said to God, I pray you, show me your glory. What an amazing request. He didn't say, God, give me $10 million. God, give me a home on the beach. <laughs> but this is an amazing request in other words he is asking I really want to know you I want to know you as you are I want that personal deep intimate knowledge of who you are look at God's response there in verse 19 God is saying I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. So when God showed his glory, notice what he showed Moses. All my goodness. So when you think of God's infinite goodness, understand that's tied directly to who he is, his glory. We talked about God's glory last week. And so God is indicating here that his goodness is tied to his glory. Then the next verse describes what God did. He put Moses in the cleft of the rock, placed his hand over him, and answered Moses' request without striking him dead, which is shocking. See that in verses 21 through 23. But I want you to know that this was not a silent revelation. Moses recounts in awe-filled language the amazing Comforting words God spoke as he passed by. Look at chapter 34, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 5 through 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the uh, Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting, excuse me, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. But notice in verse 6, abounding in loving kindness can actually be translated goodness. Abounding in loving kindness could be translated abounding in goodness. J.I. Packer, great theologian, said this about this passage. He said, With the cluster of God's moral perfections, there is one in particular to which the term goodness points. The quality which God especially singled out for the whole, then proclaiming all his goodness to Moses. He spoke of himself as abounding in goodness and truth. And then he, he sums it up by saying, This quality is generosity. Generosity. And this is what Martin Lloyd-Jones said, God's bounty. God's bounty, God's generosity is the same thing. That's directly tied to his goodness. God is a bounteous God, as Lloyd-Jones says. He's a God filled with generosity, as J.I. Packer says. So I want you to think about that. Have you ever thought of God looking at you in your life with all your baggage, with all your ups and downs, and then saying, I want to be generous to you. I long to give you just what makes you happy. Not because you deserve it, but there's something inside of me that makes me happy to see you happy. And so I want to be generous to you. See, that's God's message to us every moment of every day. 
He desires for us to be happy in Him because it, He delights in it. That's why He's so generous. So we have to keep in mind that God gives generously. And by the way, God gives not in order to get something in return. Okay, God does not manipulate. Uh, manipulate. Remember, He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Showers of blessings that none of us deserve, He freely gives. So God gives lavishly. In fact, J.F. Packer, again, he adds, Generosity expresses the simple wish that others should have what they need to make them happy. And so God is immeasurably generous. That's His goodness. And yes, He is always generous, even during times like this. We may not understand it, but we accept the fact that it is true because Scripture tells us it is. And so these are the thoughts of God about each of his children. And he feels that way about them all the time. So when you look at God's goodness, it is directed to you specifically. And it's his generosity. He loves to bless his children. And he thinks that way because of who he is. It displays his glory. So think of it this way. God is infinite in His goodness. God is eternal in His goodness. God is holy in His goodness. It can never end because that's who God is. Because of His unique and divine nature, all the expresses comes in an expansive, overwhelming God-sized generosity. That's God. That's His goodness. So we don't have to question it. It is reality. And we have to start thinking that way because this is what God desires for us to think. God is good. And once you start to think that way in all circumstances, it really does change your life. You won't want to stop. And it will transform your prayer life. When you begin to understand that God is generously good to us every moment of every day. So meditate on it. God doesn't hold grudges. Okay, God is not standing there with his arms crossed looking at you saying, now, you did this, i got to get you back for that. That's not God. He's generous. He desires to express his love and goodness and kindness to you, to me, and all of his children. And he does this not because we deserve it, but because of who he is, period. So we see that goodness is tied to his grace. It's the very nature and character of God. So God wants us to flood our minds with those thoughts, not the questioning of, why is he doing this to me? Now I need to forgive him type of thing. That's his character. And I believe this is a critical part of true worship, seeing who God really is and then responding to that truth. We've talked about that. Being overwhelmed by his goodness and then expressing our gratitude for that. You get overwhelmed with his generosity. You're embraced by his goodness. And that's what worship is. Worship is not just pronouncing things. Worship is being overwhelmed by him. We saw that with Paul in uh, Romans 11:36. For all things are from him, through him, and to him. And then he's overwhelmed. To God be the glory forever. Amen. He's overwhelmed. We need to be overwhelmed with God's character of goodness. He is always good. There's never a time that God is not good to us. Even in those difficult times where we begin to scratch our head and question, why is this happening? God is good. All of his purposes are perfect and good. And we must fill our minds and our thoughts with that. And so all that is going on in the world today, we need to understand it and see it in light of the goodness of God, not what man defines it to be. It can be difficult, especially if you're watching the news. I would encourage you, don't watch too much of it. Because I know for me, it causes me to just, like, I have to get away from it, get into God's Word and say, God, refresh my mind. Now, I'm not saying don't watch the news. So if you're watching, that's fine. You want to stay up on things. But be careful. Be careful how you interpret the news. So how does God reveal his good, uh, goodness to us? There are many different ways that God shows his goodness to regular people like you and me. But today I want to show you three different ways in Scripture that God shows His goodness. This is not exhaustive. We're limited in time. So I just want to share three different ways in which God shows His goodness to us. 
The first, he shows his goodness through natural blessings. Through natural blessings. He pours out his goodness and his natural blessings in our lives every day. And I bring this up because, sadly, this is the way that most people overlook God's goodness, even though this is something that God does for us all the time. See, without realizing it, many times we take things for granted. We take the world for granted. We take, uh, take creation for granted. We take the blessings of life for granted. We ignore the daily blessings of weather. It's all in God's control. The seasons. Storms, earthquakes, natural disasters should actually remind us of God's amazing constancy in life. In spite of a fallen and dysfunctional world, God is still in control and he does everything that is good. And we see this throughout the Psalms. David celebrated this again and again and again in the Psalms. Turn with me, if you will, and look at one of these Psalms. Psalm 145. Psalm 145. As you look at this psalm, God lavishes his goodness, not just on believers, but also unbelievers, all of his creatures. God lavishes his goodness. It's a psalm of David, and it is a psalm of praise because God is good. In verses 7 through 9, <clears throat> excuse me, in verses 7 through 9, notice what he says. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to who? To all. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Notice the word all there in verse 9. Mentions it twice. You and I are included in that word all. This means that there is nowhere in the universe you can go to get away from God's goodness. The scriptures declare that he is good to all. He has compassion. He has this deep understanding, this concern that translates into action to keep us strong, to help us persevere through the darkest times. That's God's goodness. And that's why we need this today. Because, yes, our world is filled with darkness. I don't think you have to look very hard to see. But it is God's goodness that's going to carry us through this so that we can be the ones who stand strong and rejoice. And what a powerful testimony that would be to a darkened world that we could take a stand and rejoice in the midst of what's going on. This is what I pray for the people, for my Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine, that God would use them to take a stand in the midst of all of this chaos and to declare God's goodness in the midst of all of this. In fact, my prayer would be that there would be those who would stand up, that when the military comes in, they'd be able to show the military that they stand for God. And maybe there would be those in the military from Russia that would come to repentance. Paul did that with the Roman jailers. See, God is good. He can do these things. Let's stop thinking small thoughts of God and think big thoughts of God, because he's a good God. Even to those who are going through all of this difficulty. It was in verse 15 through 17. The eyes of all who look to you, <clears throat> excuse me, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every good thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. See, this is a picture of God as a faithful provider. We see again that all his goodness applies to you and me. It's all inclusive. It says over all his works. And then verse 21 ends the psalm with praise. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless His holy name forever and ever. See, when we understand the greatness of God's goodness, that's what happens. We speak the praise of God. We will be overwhelmed. We bless His holy name forever and ever. That's the awesomeness of God's goodness. See, one of the most powerful ways you can begin to believe and experience God's goodness is to continually celebrate in your heart and mind. Wake up celebrating that God is good. Preach it to yourself every day, especially when you're driving and you're cut off by people and you want to scream and yell. Rather than scream and yell, God, you're a good God, and you're using this for a good reason. He's good. 
Remember, as uh, we hear from James, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. It doesn't just happen by accident. So God has given to us more than we need for survival in this world. He's given us pleasure. He's given us beauty. He's given us meaning. Everything that we need and more, God has lavished upon us. Every relationship, every job, every tree, every flower, every moment is a sign of His goodness. The fact that you are here right now is by God's goodness. Every corner of your world and every part of your day can remind you of goodness if you will only look for it, even when things do not go the way we want. So through natural blessings, God shows us His goodness. Just look out and take it in and be overwhelmed by how God uh, how good God is in every area of our lives. Second, another way that God reveals His goodness to us is through specific deliverances. And this you can just jot down to Psalm 107. We don't have the time to look through that. <clears throat> but the scriptures are filled with numerous examples of God delivering His people. And Psalm 107 is a classic passage. It begins, the very first verse, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. What a great way to start a psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. But this verse presents a theme of celebration that's repeated throughout all of the psalms, and that is that God is a good God. He deserves our praise. But as you read through Psalm 107, you see a variety of ways in which God reveals His goodness. And the common theme that goes all the way through again and again through the different types of deliverances is that He is good in His deliverance. God intervenes in crisis. He meets people like you and me in acute times of need, and He meets that need. He allows, I'm sorry, He shows up at just the right time because He is good. There are four scenarios in the psalm that I mentioned. You could look at, uh, I hope later on today you'd read through and look at it. But four, uh, four scenarios I just want to briefly mention. But that's just, this is just to give you an example of how God delivers because of His goodness. We see that God redeems the helpless from their enemies because He's good. You see that in verses 1 through 9. He redeems the helpless from their enemies. Second, God rescues us from the shadow of death. See that in verses 11 through 19. He rescues us from the shadow of death because He is good. God heals our diseases, verses 20 through 22. He heals our diseases because He is good. And in the rest of the psalm, God protects us from the storms that threaten to sink our lives because He is good. He protects us. And so these deliverances refer to countless times in the history of God's people when He stepped in with power to deliver them from major situations and even tiny little minor situations. God is good in every one. Now please understand, God's plans do not always work out in the ways we would prefer. That's why sometimes we complain. Yet it's amazing how often we focus on the relatively few difficult circumstances of our lives and we tend to forget the repeated loving acts of deliverance that occur so regularly. Isn't that amazing that we can look at one thing that didn't go our way and we're just really upset about it and that's all we talk about, but we miss out on all the other things that God has done that is good. So I want to encourage you, take time, uh, time daily to recollect the different times God has delivered you in your, uh, your, your, your life, whether it's small or big. Think about it. One example, you get in the car and you drive down these roads. The fact that you get in the car and drive down these roads that are safe, that's God's goodness. Driving down 19, you're putting your life in your hands and you make it. That's God's goodness. And how many times have you been in a car, driven, and here you are, still alive and okay? See, we look at that and we're so used to it, we take it for granted. We don't realize that's God's goodness. We have homes to go home to. We have refrigerators with food. We have pets. We have children. We have all kinds of things. That's all God's goodness. And we tend to forget those things when one bad thing happens and we begin to question why. So I want to encourage you, each day, start off every day thinking about the goodness of God in your life. You wake up, 
Think about his goodness and keep that in your mind throughout the day. It helps us to deal with the stuff that's going on all over this world and even in our own country. And I want to point out that God is good not because he does good things for us. And God is good to us not because there's something in us that makes him want to be good. God is good because of something in him. He can do nothing else. He must do good because he is perfectly good. It's impossible for God to do anything other than that which is good. So both God and his choices remain good, even when they may not feel or look particularly good to you. Remember, God has the entire universe in control every moment of every day. He knows everything that's going on. You only know your own life. And God is working everything like an orchestra. And he's doing it all for good. So we can focus on his goodness day and night. His intrinsic nature and all of his attributes is good. He can't be anything but good. So when those times come where you want to question, remind yourself, God cannot do anything but good. For, so for some reason, some way, this is good, even though I may not be able to see it. It is good. In his wisdom and sovereignty, he decides the perfect times to respond to those cries of distress. He responds at the perfect time to deliver you and to display his greatness. For us, we want to, we want to take care of the moment it happens. But for your own good and his goodness, he allows you to go through it for a while and then delivers you. But it is good because he can do nothing but good. So God acts because he is merciful and because he is good. And he desires us to know him in this way so that we turn to him when we crash and when we fall. God wants to bless you generously. That's his goodness. Never, ever forget that. Now the third way that we see his goodness and the apex of God's revelation of his goodness is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the highest of his goodness. That's the primary evidence that we can see God's goodness. He is, as one, uh, one um, commentator said, he is the finest example available to illustrate any aspect of God's character. Remember, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, you have seen God, right? And Colossians 1.15 talks about all the fullness of deity dwells in him. So then Jesus is God's goodness in the flesh. Now there's a particular story you don't have to turn there. It's a familiar story. It's in Mark chapter 10. The rich young ruler who came to Jesus, he had it all in life. Life was easy. He had everything. And this man was wealthy. But do you remember what troubled him when he came to Jesus? He had everything but one thing. What was it that he was missing? Eternal life. Right? So he comes to Jesus, and he realizes Jesus is a good person because Jesus did a lot of good things. So he made that assumption. He came to him, and you remember how he addressed him in Mark chapter 10, verse 17? He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you would think that Jesus at this point would respond and say, here's the gospel, and here's what you must do. But that's not how Jesus responded. Remember what he said? Why do you call me good? That's a significant question. Very critical question to answer. Why do you call me good? And then, of course, he added, no one is good except God. Don't misunderstand it. Jesus here was not making the point that he and his father are not one. They are one. He's making a significant point that calling someone good goes further than being polite. He wants this rich young ruler to understand what he just said because he doesn't understand what he just said. Right? Goodness is an absolute quality possessed only by God. Only God is good. Right? This young ruler didn't understand that. He was right in calling Jesus good, but he didn't understand the reality behind that good. Right? So Jesus wants this man and us to understand that Jesus is good. Why? Because he is God. That's why he's good. Not because he did good things. Jesus is good because he is God. And so this young man was trying to compliment Jesus, but Jesus wanted him to think again, right? His life and death reveals like no other person 
or no other event, all the goodness of God. See, this young man's response, remember what his response was at the end of the story? He walked away. His response shows that he was not serious about goodness. He was juggling goods in his life and he wanted eternal life just as another good thing to have. Right? And so the young man rejected the absolute goodness that confronted him. And do you remember why he rejected it? Because he had so many things he didn't want to let it go. So he had a lot of the, quote, good things that this world says are good. But as a result of having, quote, these good things, what did he lose out on? Eternal life. The ultimate good of knowing who Jesus Christ truly was. And how often do we do the same thing where we strive for the, quote, good stuff of this world that we miss out on the goodness of God working in our lives. And that's why we complain when things don't go our way. We strive to get this new whatever it is, and it doesn't work out. And say, why? I remember one person saying, what more do you want from me? Because, see, he didn't get what he wanted. So he's thinking that God is holding back. And if we're honest, many times we have done that as well. We question. We complain. This rich young ruler messed up. I'm sorry, he missed out. And he did mess up. Now, when we look at Jesus Christ as being good, there's three ways that we see Jesus revealing God's goodness. And there's many, but again, I want to just share three ways briefly here. Oh, time goes by. The first comes in the form of the undeserved goodness that he gives us. The undeserved goodness that he gives us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words... When we were his enemies, when you look at the verbiage that is used, we were his enemies. We hated him. We rejected him. And when we, heard we were his enemies, he died for us. That's goodness. We don't deserve it. He didn't say, I'm sorry, he didn't do it because we said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to be a different person course we couldn't sin came in so God demonstrated his goodness and love by sending Jesus Christ to die in our place so what Jesus Christ did on the cross shows how the father feels about us God loved us and he showed his goodness to us when we hated him we were his enemies and he's pouring out his goodness on you and me that's stunning let that sink in we hated him he showed goodness in response If you can ever get a handle on that, if that ever really sinks in, it will change your heart deep inside and how you view all things. But a lot of people struggle with this. And why do you think people struggle with this whole concept of God's goodness all the time in our lives? True, we've seen others who failed us. But typically, how do we measure goodness? By our own selfish goodness, right? What's good for me, that's goodness. I don't care about what's good for you. What's good for me is what's good. And so we, we, we look to ourselves too much. But we see that when we were enemies, when we hated him, he took the initiative to show forth his goodness. So the first way that God shows goodness through Christ is the undeserved goodness that he gives to us. Second, the second evidence of God's goodness Christ deals with the promise of future benefits. The promise of future benefits. This is found in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son. Remember that. That is so critical. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? In other words, God has already shown his goodness towards you in the biggest way possible. Do you think he's going to drop the ball on all the little other things that are minor in comparison? Not at all. God loves you and he wants you to know he's good. But see, we all, um, we all have the same issue, the same problem. We have a warped view of God. If we're honest, many times our view of God is more like a genie than a true God. 
We pray, and if we don't get what we want, we complain. When it comes to God's goodness, the wrong view always produces a strong negative emotional response. I see that constantly every day when I visit people and I talk with families. Uh, the biggest complaint they have many times when they talk to the chaplain is the complaint against God. Because, see, God should be doing what I want him to do. And that's why there's that complaint. But think about it. If God has loved us enough to give us his very best, don't you think that he has the best in mind for our future? Of course he does. And he knows what's best because he controls all things. We don't know what's best. So God's generosity in the cross reminds us that not only has he been good to us, but the cross, in that cross, he has made a commitment to being good to us for the rest of our lives here on earth. When you look at the cross, understand that was a sign, it was an evidence of God's goodness to us. And it is a commitment of God that he will remain good to us until he takes us home. So if you ever doubt that God is being good, look to the cross and realize that is God's commitment that he's going to be good to you for the rest of your life. And this is why we can trust him, especially with those big lordship questions when we have to submit and we don't want to. God is good. We can surrender ourselves to him because he's infinitely and perfectly good. The third evidence of God's goodness in Christ has to do with his unique role as creator and mediator between God and man, right? He is the mediator. He's given us abundant promises of his goodness. And then he has told us that Jesus is the key. For example, 1 Corinthians 1.20, he says that every promise of God is yes in Christ. Every promise is yes in Christ. That means all of God's specific promised goodness comes to us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our mediator, right? He is the one that tore, uh, that ripped open that curtain. He is the one in whose name we can come before the throne of grace, that we may receive what we need in time of need. He is that mediator. So we now have free access to the throne of grace. Think about that. We have free access to the throne of grace 24-7 through Jesus Christ. Every moment of every day. We have access to his presence. So if I want to understand and appreciate God's goodness, I begin and end with his son, Jesus Christ. There's so much more that can be said of how Jesus reveals God's goodness. But I want to move on to the issue of our response as a result of God's goodness. Because see, as we understand God's goodness, it requires a response. We don't just sit back and say, oh, that's wonderful. I do believe that um, there's a response that should come from us. And there are three basic steps we should take to change our lives and begin to fully experience the effects of God's generosity. And the first one, I'm just going to give you three words. The first word is repent. We repent of our ingratitude. Repent of our ingratitude. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness or goodness of God leads you to repentance? Basically, Paul was asking, Do you think that all the good that came in your life was because you're an incredibly nice person who made God's special list? Not at all. He hasn't been doing this because you deserve it. God wants you to know that he has been good to you. He's been kind and cordial and loving and generous with you for one specific purpose, to lead you to repentance. He's been drawing you with goodness, not with threats. So we learn in Romans here. Now we, see, we are to see God's goodness and have a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Basically, that's what repentance is. So this is not only for the unbeliever, but it's also for the believer. Yes, the unbeliever should repent. But there are things we need to repent of constantly. Repentance is an ongoing part of life for the child of God. Remember that repentance and faith are connected, and it's crucial for us. How often do we get disconnected throughout the day, and as a result, we don't give thanks? You talk to most people when they ask you to pray. 
the majority of times that people pray, it's all about asking God, do this, God, do that, God, do this, God, do that. Rarely do we see people take the time just to, to pray and give thanks to God. We just don't do it. And that's one thing we need to repent of. We need to give thanks to God. God is praised by our thanks. See, we get disconnected, and as a result, we're thankless. When God gives me nine, I want ten. When God gives me ninety-nine, I want a hundred. He gives and he gives, but I want more and more. And rather than thanking God for the nine, God, give me ten. Rather than thanking God for the ninety-nine, God, give me a hundred. So we need to repent and give thanks to God regularly. When God's goodness shows us his, uh, this condition in us, it should lead us to repentance and faith. We need to turn to God and be more thankful morning, noon, and night. By the way, they have shown studies that when we are grateful, when we are more grateful, it's healthy for our bodies. Interesting. The more that we are grateful, the healthier we become. Think about that. I would encourage you every morning when you wake up, just take time, 5, 10, 15 minutes, and just look at the things in your life that you can thank God for. And just thank Him. Don't ask Him for it. Just thank Him. Take the time to be grateful to the Lord. Let that be part of your repentance. That you're going to take that time to show forth gratitude. He is praised by that. So we need to turn to God, be more thankful, and this only comes when we genuinely believe that God is good in everything that he does for us, even the things we don't understand. He remains good. So that's the first word, repent. Second word, rest. Rest. Rest in his goodness when you encounter difficult times, when you encounter adversity. Rest in Him. We live in a fallen world. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bad things and good things happen to all people. But I want to read two verses out of Psalm 31. You can jot this down. I'll read it for you. The psalmist says, in verse 19 and 20, Psalm 31, 19 and 20 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. In other words, no matter how difficult, no matter how bad the adversity is, God's goodness is there. Man cannot touch God's goodness, cannot thwart God's goodness. God's goodness will remain even through the darkest time. So we need to learn to rest in His goodness in the most difficult of times, and that's hard to do. One of the things that people wrestle with the most is anxiety because of all of that. And we need to find that rest in Him. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death in this life, there's no doubt. A loved one is hurt or dying, and all we can do is wait and pray. How does God's goodness help in that situation? We know that God could do anything, and he can save this loved one, but he does not do so because it's not part of his good plan. And when that happens, we can still rest knowing it is his goodness. It's still his goodness. So regardless what the situation may be, rest in his goodness. Because we have the promises that his goodness underlies everything that he brings into our lives. I know it's difficult. But we find rest in that goodness. I don't know all the specifics of God's wills. But one thing I do know that is greatness is amazingly great. It's stored up for me. stored up for uh, those in my family. And it's stored up for you. So rest in the fact that God's goodness is stored up for you. And no one, no one can affect that goodness. Goodness. So in your adversity, whatever it may be, rest there in God's goodness. He's an eternal God with an eternal plan for your life. And that plan is good because God is good. He does not always work things out this side of heaven the way you want him to. But you can count on this reality. God is good. And he brings goodness to you 
So rest in that. So the first is to repent. The second is to rest. And the third is risk. Risk. Stepping out in faith like never before. When we discover that God is good, we find ourselves taking ever-increasing steps of faith. The more that you understand and the more that you're convicted that God is a good God, then we take greater risks for the sake of His name. Because He's good. Again, I want to mention Psalm 84.11. And I want to encourage you, memorize Psalm 84.11 and meditate on it. Look it over. Repeat it to yourself throughout the day. Psalm 84.11 says, uh, it's a huge promise of God's goodness. It says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now these are incredible words. Meditate on them. Think about this. The Lord God is a sun. So what is a sun? Well, sun is a, it's a resource. It is power. It is sheer energy. Without the sun, we couldn't live on this earth. Right? So he is that sun for us. Second, the Lord is a shield. What's a shield? Shield is what protects you. He's a protector. So God in his goodness protects us. And please understand, as bad as things are and bad as things may be in your life, understand it could be a whole lot worse if God removes his hands. No matter how bad it is, it can be much, much, much worse. It doesn't because God is our shield. He's our protector. Satan is a roaring lion. What would he like to do? Consume us. Why are we here? Because God is our shield to protect us against those things. It can get a lot worse. Or it can be a lot worse, but it's not. Because he is that shield. So think about it. How would you like an infinite, all-wise, good, loving, kind, unlimited resource and protector in your life? doesn't get better than that. And that's God's goodness to you and to me. So the Lord God gives grace and glory. That is comprehensive. He lavishes uh, with unmerited favor, with kindness, with goodness, with blessing. And we have this incredible promise. And he tells us, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. All of that is wonderful. But look at this amazing promise. We either trust God's goodness in this or call him a liar. It's the only two options you have. Notice, no good thing. Right? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, his children. God will not, up, uh, uh, God will not withhold any good thing in your life. That means then that in your life, even right now, God is working his goodness, even if we don't understand it. I don't know what, it, uh, what all of you are going through, but regardless of what it is, God's goodness is involved. Even what's going on in our own country with all the uh, political upheaval that's going on, God is good to us. We see what's going on in Ukraine. God is good in the midst of all of this. Listen, Putin does not have one over God. God remains good, and he's using all of this for good of the people, because he's good. We may not understand why buildings have to be blown up. I can't give you that answer, but I can give you this answer. Our sovereign God is a good God, and he's working good out of all of this. Remember what we said the last two weeks? For from God... Through God and to God are all things. That means he's the source of everything. This is not beyond his control. And because he's a good God, he's working good. So when we look at all that's going on in this country as well, regardless of what your views are, understand. Most important thing you could think of, our God is a good God. Therefore, because he's good, we now can take risks. We can do things... That we typically wouldn't do for the Lord, because we know that He is good. It's a stunning promise. No good thing will He withhold from us. 
So people are always fearful of missing out. I talk to people, and that's one of their biggest fears. I don't want to miss out on the good. Here's the thing about God. You can't miss out on the good. I love it. You cannot miss out on the good because God is good. It doesn't get better than that. And that's what we need to focus on in the darkest of times so that we can give God the praise and thank Him, so that we can rest in Him, so that we can take those risks and talk to people about the Lord, things that we would never have done before we can do now, knowing our God is a good God. And because He's good, I can take these risks. I can do these things. See, we take risks because we trust in God's goodness. So thus, based on all of this, like I said at the very beginning, I'll leave you with this. Life becomes good when we understand that God is good. When we have this conviction deep down in everything that God is good, our lives are good. It's when we begin to question the goodness that our lives are not so good. It becomes very bumpy. So I encourage you, think and meditate and preach to yourselves the goodness of God in every situation, because he can't do anything but that which is good. Now, I did all the talking. Are there any questions or comments? Yeah, Frank. Next time you get asked to preach, do that. Okay. I'll use that as my introduction. One of your elders told me I'm supposed to preach this. Any other questions or comments? Let's go ahead and pray then and go to the service and worship our God and our Father. Indeed, you are good beyond what we can ever imagine. You're perfectly good and you can't do anything other than that which is good. Yet, Lord, so often we are short-minded. And at times we question and we complain. Lord, you know all of our hearts, and we pray for your grace and mercy to forgive us. Have mercy on us, and Lord, show us those things so that we would repent and turn to you. Help us to see your goodness every moment of every day. Help us to preach it to ourselves, and Lord, may we stand as lights in a very dark world that we can rejoice so that when people look at us and ask us, why are you so joyful, we can boldly declare, because God is good, and everything he's done in my life is good. And we could trust in that. So I pray, oh God, that even in this next hour as we go to worship, help us together to celebrate your goodness. Overwhelm us. God, grant that we would worship you in a powerful way today. We pray for our brother, Steve, our pastor. Father, fill him with your Holy Spirit in such a way that when he preaches, it would be your words penetrating our hearts and that your spirit would overwhelm us and stun us again by your word. You are so good. May we never take it for granted. May we never forget it. Make us a people who are overwhelmed and stunned by the goodness of God. For it is in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You're welcome.